let's pray and, and believe God for utterance so that he'll say exactly what he wants to say because he wants to uh, say certain things that just prick things in your heart uh, to propel you, ignite you. Father, thank you uh, for sending Jesus, that he would die for us, that he would uh, give his life for us and be beaten for us. So, Father, help us in this hour show forth the resurrection. Help us demonstrate that death could not hold you down. Lord, we thank you for utterance tonight. We thank you for blessing everyone that came. We thank you for uh, an awareness of the time that we live so that we can make changes. Lord, help us, help us. Stretch forth your hand that signs and wonders would be wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. We thank you for boldness for every person in this room, a spirit of boldness and a spirit of dominion to walk with God, to walk just like Jesus walked. We thank you for that. So help us, Father, and we thank you for the souls that will be swept into the kingdom right here before we leave the planet. And Lord, as we approach your return, we, we approach your word uh, with humbleness and, and a contrite heart to learn of you, to learn of your ways, learn of your mercy, learn of your kindness. Help us see you as you are. We thank you for your style, miracles, power, mercy, kindness. Help us learn of your style, life everlasting. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. You know, I hear people say, well, uh, how do you know it's the last days? Well, the Bible says in the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was the last days. The Bible says in Hebrews that uh, when Jesus came and spoke to us, that was the last days. So we're definitely living in the last of the last days because there's been about a 2,000-year period. And I, I was going to hit on it this morning. I just kind of bypassed it. There was a lot of clues about the 2,000-year church age. I talked about uh, Adam to Abraham and Abraham to Jesus. And from Jesus, the first coming, to about 2,000 years to the second coming, he gave us some clues. Remember the Good Samaritan? He put him up. He said, after two days, I'll come back for him and pay for whatever he spent. Then he told Herod, he said, you tell that fox I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day uh, I'll be uh, fulfilled. So, so two days, church age. And then with Lazarus, he waited two days to go pray for him. So there's many, even in Habakkuk, there's several things about two days, and the third day he'll raise us up in his sight. So we know it's a 2,000-year church age. So we're, we're at the end of 2,000 years. And we'll get to some stuff tonight where Gabriel told Daniel, we'll get into some, probably some of the coolest verses in the Bible, the precision of them that God would go to such length to show us timing so that we'd know what to do in our time. Because just like I said this morning, Daniel saw you. It's wonderful that heaven saw what you look like. He said, you're strong. You'd know you're God and you'd do exploits. A lot of people know the word of God. It's good to know the God of the word. Amen. I like some quotes I'll give you right here before I get into to end times. You can tell the caliber of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage them. Wow, that went over good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on. <laughs> Proverbs 27 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your spirit is weak. Mm. Wow. Well, uh, you know, that's why we hear the word, so we don't get weak. We get strong to where we can uh, be bold and daring about what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. You live in a day where people, uh, when someone's just remotely like a Christian, people think it's radical. It's not radical. It's not even bold, really. It's just normal Christianity. Like we talked about this morning, we are talking about John Lake put his hand on the, on the bubonic plague. And they were asking him, how come you're not dying and all your workers aren't dying? You're going in with the plague and everybody's still alive. He said, well... He said, put the plague on the microscope and I'll touch the edge of it and I'll show you. They put the bubonic plague on the microscope. He touched the edge of the, of the slide and the plague died. He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. Now, see, that didn't happen by accident. He'd go in front of the mirror and he'd go, God lives in this man. God lives in this man. God lives in this man. 
So, so you have to develop your dominion because he gave you all authority. Not some, he gave you all authority. And that's what we'll get into tonight. That's why the church has to be raptured before the tribulation because you would dictate what's happening during that seven-year period because he gave you all authority. I mean, it kind of messed up his plan if you're telling asteroids to leave. and you know, we, we didn't get into it this morning, but there was, there's been, let's see, 36 nearby asteroids since the start of this year. Last week there was one that they just saw two days before it came. The week before one came, the size of Manhattan, and they didn't see it till after the fact. Well, that just tells us we know that uh, uh, that's going to happen during the tribulation, and it's called Wormwood. I was preaching that in the Ukraine, and I said the word Wormwood, and people gasped. I thought, oh, well, what's the deal with Wormwood? That's the word Chernobyl. So actually an asteroid hit Russia last year and injured 1,600 people. So th those things are happening. But thank God we're about to be evacuated and we don't have to be here for the tribulation. And we'll get into all that tonight. So grab your Bibles. Let's do about five minutes of review. If you can give me a little bit of review time. And I, I won't preach too late because I want you to come back tomorrow. Remember John Osteen said, he who preaches short shall be heard again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So go to there to Luke, and we'll do about five minutes review. We're here again going through a lot of stuff. Luke 21, verse 24. Jesus is real clear here. And they'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles or nations are fulfilled. Hmm. So we talked about that, the Six-Day War, all those things that happened in 1967 that Jesus said, when you see that, time's pretty much up. Because of that being so bold, watch what he says in verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree, the nation of Israel, and all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel, all have changed their names in the last hundred years. They've been altered. So he says here, when they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know. When you see these things come to pass, know. So he's saying these things so they can know this, not wonder, not sense, because the consensus has been over the years, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Oh, that day and that hour, no man knows. Jesus was telling them a clue when they were coming, he was coming back for them on Feast of Trumpets. We just were taught that in the last 10 years. That we thought we couldn't tell when the Lord was coming back, and Jesus was telling them the exact three-day period when he was going to come for us. The Feast of Trumpets was on the 29.5th day of the month on the new moon. The Sanhedrin would send three, two witnesses out to see if it was a new moon, and they knew which day it was. That's why they didn't know exact day it was going to be. When he said, of that day and that hour, no man knows, they're going, holy cow, he just told us he's coming for us on Feast of Trumpets. So as opposed to thinking we don't know when he's coming back, we know exactly the three-day period. I don't know about you, but every September I'm going, Lord, I love you. <laughs> I, mean, I know exactly when it starts in Israel, exactly when it starts here. And I'm going, here we go. And I, I've told the Lord, you missed some wonderful opportunities the last few years to come. And I even told him, is your flux capacitor not working okay like in Back to the Future? What, what do we need to do to make all the, hit on all the cylinders? Because it is a pretty amazing miracle that all of a sudden he can say, come up hither, come up to the throne of God, and every born-again believer will be altered right there at that second. He's able to subdue even all things unto himself. That's how powerful he is that at that call, everybody's body will be remade. Wow, that's radical. So I hope, I believe the flux capacitor is getting up to speed so when it's time, we'll, he'll hit the switch and we'll be ready to go. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you don't know what the flux capacitor is, that's from Back to the Future. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right, Jesus tells us some things that are really easy to get here. So then he goes on in verse 32, Verily I say unto you, man, this is the crazy thing. I, Jesus said this. This is not some crazy end-time preacher. This is the Lord. He said in verse 32, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass away to all fulfilled. 
Wow. So we know through all the things that we've talked about, it's us. So how privileged are we to be that, that called out group, to be in the church of the living God, that in the ages to come He'll show forth His goodness and His kindness to those that first trusted in Him. We trusted in Him when we couldn't see Him. There's going to be a thousand year period where people will be able to see Him and they'll still reject Him. So He's going to tout the church during that thousand year period. So we're a specialized group that you happen to be living at the very end of the church age. And the thing about getting into end time preaching, you can't get your doctrine just from the Gospels. I want, this, I want to make this supernaturally loud and clear. The Gospels only speak of the second coming. You can't get your rapture doctrine from the Gospels because he's talking to Jewish boys. They're only about the second coming. Matthew 24, one's taken and one's left. That's at the second coming. The wicked are plucked off the earth and the natural righteous people are left on the earth to inherit the kingdom. It's the opposite of the rapture. Remember Jesus said, at the end of the days, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares and I, the angels will be the reapers. He's going to separate the wheat from the tares at the second coming. Okay, those are all kingdom doctrines. Those are all second coming verses, non-rapture verses. It's amazing that the church age was a mystery and the rapture was a mystery. It wasn't a mystery to be kept from us. It was to be kept for us. So that's how much he thinks this is a cool thing, having the church of the living God. So let's buzz through the signs for just a minute. You got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem won back. You got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. Did anybody Google the Capitol building? Did you get, is that the coolest? It's identical to the Tower of Babel. Isn't, it? Isn't that nuts? I mean, you think someone would have said, guys, what are we doing? And we're talking today, there's a, there's a particle collider in Switzerland. The company's called CERN. They're looking for the God particle. You know, where they, they have an underground atom splitter, you know what I mean? And they're looking for the God particle. And their logo is 666. <laughs> I mean, it's bizarre. I would have thought someone would have gone, hmm, this is not a good marketing plan here to have the Antichrist logo on our card. But anyway, so you're, you're watching all these things play out. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You've got the Temple Mount Institute. You've got literally uh, people in position. Uh, Israel being ruled by two Benjamins. That was prophesied years ago. So you've got uh, little things like that. You've got... Uh, <laughs> The Pope saying over and over again, the last Pope and this Pope were ready for one world religion, one world authority, uh, one, one world uh, Christianity, one world religion. And you see that pressure to, for everyone to, to give in to everything because Jesus is about to come back. Man, the world is set up for the Antichrist to come on the scene. So sign after sign after sign. you got the predatory birds. you got the blood red moons. you got the Bethlehem star. I mean, once you get into all of it, it's like, wow, God's going like this, uh, trying to get our attention because He loves us. Remember, he's not mad at you tonight, not frustrated with you, absolutely loves you. And he wants those verses to propel you. In other words, as we see them, we don't go, you know, I hear people all the time go, well, now you pre-tribulation rapture people are just wanting to escape. No, uh, I, I don't really, I wouldn't mind being here. I'd love to tout the dominion that we have. No, you, you have an appointment with God. You're not escaping. Uh, in, in, even in the world today, just last year, Israel removed its ambassadors. Every country, when there's about to be a war, they remove who first? Their ambassadors. So you are ambassadors for Christ and you're going to be evacuated and that's the rapture of the church. So we'll get into all that tonight. We have all these signs about the second coming, sign after sign after sign after sign. So it preaches to us. At the rapture of the church, we go up to meet Jesus in the air. At the second coming, which is about seven or eight years later, we bodily come back with Him to planet earth. And the world is never coming to an end. 
I hear people say, we're at the end of the world. No, the world's never coming to an end. Jesus, it's just like every movie you see where the hero comes in at the day and saves the day at the very end. Every one of those movies, it comes from Jesus coming back at the second coming and stopping war. And then we know we'll have a a, a thousand-year reign of Christ, which you'll oversee. People will get into that Tuesday night. That's such a fun thing to get into. And then after that is when he's going to renovate the earth. You know, I know guys that restore cars. They don't destroy them. They take that car and renovate it. He's going to renovate the earth. And then the coolest thing, he's going to get a U-Haul and move heaven to earth. I mean, how many of you hate moving? Isn't moving just the, the most demonic thing on the planet? God's going to move his planet to our planet. I mean, how crazy is that? He's going to take heaven and move the new Jerusalem down here over the earth. Wow. That's why this morning I was talking about Jerusalem, Jacob's ladder. Jerusalem means plural. There's two. There's a heavenly and there's an earthly. Angels are going back and forth. There's going to come a time where the new Jerusalem is going to be there and people on the earth are going to be going back and forth. It's called the King's Highway. So we, and I say all that because you're living at the end of such a, a tremendous age. We could have been 1,500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. You're at the end of the church age. So there's a, a specialized call just like with John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist came on the scene. And I said it this morning, there was 400 years of silence between uh, Malachi and Matthew. Think about that. No one's speaking for God. Then John comes on the scene as a burning and a shining light. They said, are you a prophet? He said, no. They said, are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm a voice. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. And Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him, ever was or ever will be. But the least in the kingdom of God has got more anointing than John the Baptist. He woke up a dead nation, yet he did no miracle. Mm, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Come on. He, he, he was so filled with fire that he woke up a nation, yet he... Because we say, if we had some miracles, you know, we, if we had miracles, we could shake the world, couldn't we? If, we? if we just had some demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, we could get it. John didn't have one demonstration of the Holy Ghost. He just was lit from heaven. So these verses that we get into about how close we are is to get you ignited like John. Not weird, not strange. We automatically, uh, like I told you when the Lord told me to preach on end times, I immediately thought of locust burgers and weird John in the world. You know what I mean? Eating locusts and having, wearing camel hair. No, it doesn't have to be weird. It can be your personality. I was on a plane going to Sweden years ago, and this lady was just distraught. And I said, what's wrong? She goes, I don't know what's going on in the world. I said, I know exactly what's going on in the world. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem's won back. The Hebrew language was restored. Ethiopian Jews were brought back. Fertility of the land of Israel. She goes, what, 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 what? <laughs> She said, let me go get another flight attendant. Got another flight attendant. She goes, tell, tell him. I said, well, Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem's one back. Hebrew language. Story. What, what, what? We had seven or eight flight attendants on a flight to Sweden because people are looking for truth. Jesus is just about to come back. The greatest change you and I will ever experience is just about to happen. So all these verses about the second coming are an absolute wake-up call for us because we leave seven or eight years before this. The rapture has no signs. The second coming has sign after sign after sign after sign. So let's go look at it. There's a lot to get into. Grab your Bibles there and buzz over to 1 Thessalonians. And I know you know the verses. We all know them. But it's good to hear verses again. I like what John Osteen said. He said, you can tell when you've gotten a hold of a verse when you want to hear it over and over and over again. Because I hear people go, well, I've heard that. Well, that means you don't have a clue what it means. <laughs> Amen. I mean, even Mark 11, 23 and 24. I, I'd heard Brother Hagin preach on that so much, I said it this morning, I thought, bless his heart, that's all he knows. <laughs> you know? But I was preaching in uh, Virginia a couple years ago, and know what the Lord said to me about Mark 11, 23 and 24? Now listen to this. He said, notice Jesus talked to the fig tree. So you can use your faith for dessert, figs, 
You can use it for obstacles, mountains, and then you can use it for desires. Okay, hang with me. Two-thirds of your faith was just for dessert and desires. One-third of your faith was to move mountains. You don't even need all your faith to move a mountain. Two-thirds of your faith were just to give you giggles. So there's a little, there's a little tidbit of after hearing Mark 11, 23, and 24 all of our lives. Aren't we blessed? Yeah. See, you're well-equipped to do what you need to do before He comes. All right, if you found 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look what we have here in 1 Thessalonians. Now, as, and as we get into this... Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, he was with them for two weeks. How do we know that? We, he find, later he said, while I was with you, I preached on these things. He said, don't you remember while I was with you? What did Paul preach on for two weeks while he was with the church at Thessalonica? The rapture, <laughs> the antichrist, and the second coming. You think you would have gone now, anybody's a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away, behold, all things are new. You think you would have gone through all of that. You've been called, you've been justified, you've been glorified. I mean, you would think you would have hammered that, but he hammered, why? Nero was killing so many Christians that they thought, they were in the tribulation. So Paul's writing these letters to let them know, don't worry, the Antichrist can't even be revealed until there's a departure. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. The Bible calls you Christ. You're the body of Christ. What fellowship hath Christ with Belial? He calls you Christ. So Paul's letter here is all about straightening those things out. I mean, Nero was putting Christians, dunking them in oil, putting them up on a pole for night lights burning them in front of everyone. So they said, man, this is so bad, we have to be in the tribulation. If I'd have been living then, I'd have said, we, I'd have said dude, this ain't good, we're in the tribulation. Because that's pretty radical to kill Christian after Christian after Christian. But watch Paul's answer here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Look what he says here. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So notice this, he doesn't want you misinformed about the rapture of the church so that you'd be happy and be hopeful. Two things the Bible says don't be misinformed about. The rapture and gifts of the Spirit. Why? Right before the rapture of the church, the church will have an outflow mentality of harvesting tools, gifts of the Spirit. So he goes on a little further here. It says in verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, scare one another with these words. <laughs> You'd think that's what he said, but really, he, 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 they interpreted it comfort. It's the word exhort. It means to call near to God. Like, in other words, living just before you're about to be altered, get near to Him. Draw near to Him. That's what the, the spirit of prophecy on the church is to call people near. It exhorts them to get near Him. So the teaching on the rapture should make you lean in toward Him. Not back away from Him, but get more excited about Him. Because He loves you. It would be just like getting married. Uh, you don't want to not talk to your bride. You're, you're engaged and not talk to her for six months before you get married. You want to talk more. That's exactly what that means. And I hear people say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Yes, it is. It's the word rapture, the Latin word rapture. The other word is harparzo, means to be, be seized or we're going to be caught up. 
Here you have the archangel shouts, just like when the devil contended over the body of Moses. Remember that? And here the devil is like, hey, Moses is on my territory. And the archangel, archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. I believe that's what the Lord is going to, the archangel is going to say. All of a sudden, Jesus is about ready to do the rapture. And the devil is going to go, hey, they're on my territory. And you're going to hear the, the voice of the archangel, the Lord rebuke you. And all of a sudden, in the shortest amount of time that can't be divided, you're going to be altered and changed. We shall be changed. This mortal is going to put on immortality. The stain of Adam is going to be taken off of you forever. Glory to God. Never to get tired again. Oh, giddy up. <laughs> Never to gain weight again. Come on, you should be happy about that. Come on. <laughs> Never gain weight. I mean, hello, that's cool. So what a great change is coming. We get a brand new body. We get retrofitted. So we're going to go up to meet the Lord in the air. You talk about a, a reunion. You get to be with all your loved ones. What a great uh, reunion that'll be. We go to the reward seat of Christ first. And then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know how long the marriage supper of the Lamb lasts? It lasts a whole year. That's a pretty big dinner. <laughs> how much are you eating? Well, I'm eating for a year. That's pretty radical. <laughs> I believe we'll be able to try as much stuff as you possibly can in a solid year. So, so days of great change. What an alteration that's going to come for us. He said you, you, your, your body was fashioned. It will be fashioned like unto His glorious body. As you've borne the image of the earthy, you'll bear the image of the heavenly. Wow, praise God. So what a wonderful event. So we know we've all had rapture practice over the years. You know, in the 70s, we had all those weird movies, The Thief in the Night and all that, and we've been jumping up and all that. But this is an event that people teach such weird stuff about, and now there's a lot of teaching there's no such thing as a rapture. But Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. The, the sons of the prophets even knew the day that Elijah was going to be raptured. Under the old covenant, they told Elisha, don't you know your master is going to be taken from you today? He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. He knew, exact, knew the day that Elijah was going to go up. And you remember what Elijah said to Elisha. Uh, Elisha said, man, I want a double portion of the spirits on you. He said, well, you've asked a hard thing. It wasn't hard for man. It was hard, wasn't hard for God. It was hard for man. Most people give up before the double portion. And Elisha said, do you think I'm going to put up with all your moods and not get what I'm supposed to get? Prophets are moody. See, the, 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 the light attracts the bugs, you know what I'm saying? So Elisha's putting up with all Elijah's moods, and he goes, you think I'm going to work for you all this time and not get what I'm supposed to get? And Elijah said, nevertheless, if you see me when I go. So he knew he was about to go. So you can call it taken. You can call it going, you can call it being seized, you can call it a rapture, but it's a biblical uh, principle of Enoch departing before the flood. The wor world got so polluted that he took Enoch off the earth, raptured. Wow. Then Elijah was raptured, Jesus was raptured, the church will be raptured, the multitude will be raptured, the two witnesses will be raptured. There's a lot of raptures. So uh, we're blessed to get to be just before the great change for the church age and that is the church to be raptured. So let's talk about this. Let's go through a few things as we get into it, because there's a lot we'll get into. We'll get into Daniel 70 week, and then we'll, we'll break for food at 10, and we'll come back till 4 in the morning. Okay, here we go. <laughs> now let's go a little further and talk about uh, uh, what's the purpose of the rapture. Okay, the purpose is obviously, number one, we're supposed to be there, not here. So you can't be there and here at the same time. A lot of weird teaching on that. It says, well, you've you got to be here during the tribulation. Well, you can't be at the reward seat of Christ, the merits of our Lamb, if you're here on the earth. Okay, so you can't be in two places at once. So that, that using our brain, that lets us know we're not here. 
Also, the purpose is to get a brand new body. We, we, we talked about this a while ago, but we were going to. Think of the cherubim and the seraphim in the Old Testament. Remember how cool they are? They, they, the, in, I guess it's Isaiah 6, you know, they, the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. How would you like to have a job like that? What do you do? I circle the throne, singing holy, holy, holy. All the, that's all I do. What do you do tomorrow? I do it again. What do you do tomorrow? I mean, what a cool job that you can see a different facet of, of God each time you make a lap. But they have two wings that cover their face, two wings that cover their feet, and two wings that they fly with. Isn't this amazing? This creature is created with eyes going all the way around his head, and it's the craziest uh, de depiction of a creature, and yet he's designed to be at the throne, but he still has to shield himself from God's glory. Remember in the Old Covenant, Exodus 19? He said, put a fence around the mountain, lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not because God was mad at them, he's just holy, and they weren't holy. So he, he had to bring precaution so he didn't fry them. So God's going to get us a body where we can walk in and talk to Dad and our rods and our cones are okay. Wouldn't that be weird to walk in and talk to the Lord and you have to have Ray-Bans on every time you go in? Okay, here we go. Hi, Dad. No, that'd be weird. I mean, it'd be so strange. But that, that happened with Moses in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3. Uh, remember, he, he went in and talked to God and began to radiate so much they had to put a lampshade over him. They put a blanket over Moses. And he, he, he'd go in and talk to the Lord, take the blanket off, come out and radiate, shine him, put a blanket over him. And the Bible says that was no glory in relation to what you have. Wow. Moses is radiating to where they had to put a lampshade on his head. Read it. It's what it says. They had to cover him because he's bringing too much light. So we're going to get us this body that can handle this. So always go to the Word because you know, we hear so many weird things taught. What's the Bible say our new body will be like? Well, you've got to go to the Scripture. Remember on the road to Emmaus, remember Jesus was raised from the dead and the disciples were walking there with him and they didn't know who he was. It's kind of cool that he played tricks on them like that. Don't you love that? I love that kind of stuff. I love to hide behind walls and jump out and scare people. Jesus is walking with them and they don't know who he is. And he said, hey, how come you guys are so sad? And he said, well, if you look around here, they crucified our Lord. Because see, the Lord, first thing, he didn't want them sad. He wants you happy. So they would have uh, let him go, but they, uh, he would have kept right on walking, the Bible says. And they constrained him to stay for dinner. And Jesus sat down and took them through the Old Testament and showed them Christ in the Word. He's physically sitting there. I would have gone, hey, losers, it's me. I would, that's what I would have said. <laughs> He's so sweet, he took them through the Scripture. He's physically, tangibly in their presence and took them through the Word. Because the physical, tangible changes, the Word never changes. So they were so excited. You know, he, they, he broke a little bread, then all of a sudden he disappeared. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? His words are spirit in their life. Well, they're so freaked out, they went and told the other disciples, we saw him, he ate with us, he took us through the Bible, and then he disappeared. They go, no, you didn't. I mean, how weird, Thomas. No, no, you didn't. In fact, in fact I don't, until I see the hole in his side, I won't believe until I thrust my hand on his side, I will not believe. You guys are nuts. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, reach into your hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Don't you love it? Jesus knows every word you say. But the cool thing is they freaked out. <gasps> He's a spirit. I mean, how cool is that to walk through the wall? He goes, no, 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 handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So he immediately correct them, no, I'm flesh and bone, because they thought he's a spirit. He said, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone. And you know, the first thing he said was, where is the meat? He didn't say, where's the kale? Didn't say, where's the broccoli? Didn't say, where's the salad? He said, have you got any meat? 
First thing he said, first thing, so in his glorified body, he walks through the wall and can still be handled and still has an appetite for meat. So see, we have this weird, ethereal idea of what our future is going to be like. We're all in heaven playing harps. If that was true, we'd be in harp class right now. That's what, that's what the devil teaches people. We're going to go to heaven and worship for 40,000 years. That's all we're going to do? No. We, we don't, God's so cool. He's the coolest of cool of cool. Even about the millennium, I remember I was preaching in Nebraska. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska today, but I was in, I can't remember the name of the town. What's the name of the town out there west in western Nebraska? And the Lord told me, uh, gosh, what town was I in? Help me, Jesus. Grand Isle. That's where I was. Grand Isle. Thank you. Because I'll never forget it because the Lord said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster until they see one in the millennium. You know, and everybody kind of freaks out like, roller coaster? There'll be a roller coaster in the millennium? Absolutely. And see, it gets quiet. We say, see, that, this is how religious we are. We don't think that there'd be cool things during the millennium. It's going to be just like right now, but with no curse. So you'll get on that thing. Do you want to go faster? <laughs> yeah, you know, they always say, do you want to go fast? It's going to be, yeah, take it up a notch. Come on. So in our glorified bodies, we'll be able to be handled. We'll have an appetite, be able to walk through walls and be able to be translated. How cool is that going to be? So, so we need us a brand new body. That's the number one thing. Let's look at qualifications. This is a cool one because, man, is there a lot of weird teaching on the qualifications. Go to verse 14, and he gives you the qualifications for the rapture. He says, If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So he's, he's combining this. This is the qualifications to be in Christ. We're talking about it today. People, they want to make the qualifications if you're uh, uh, looking for Him or if you're, if you're hungering for His return. Those are all uh, 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 law verses to the Gospels. And uh, it's amazing. He took you out of the picture. The rapture is not about you. It's about Him. I said, it goes real quiet when I said that. Let me say it again. The rapture takes you out of the picture. He's, he's coming back for His body. It's, in other words, if I was walking up here preaching with one leg, I'd be looking forward to getting my leg back. He's looking forward to getting his body back. We've not tried to make it about us. He said, well, I thought we had to be holy. He's already presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Thank you very much. He basically takes the boasting out of, because we, we do the Barney Fife deal when we get to heaven. We'd walk like this. Oh, yeah, I got raptured. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly what we do. It'd be Barney Fife. It'd be like, oh, yeah, I made the rapture. No, his blood purchased you, and that's the only way you make it in the rapture. I had a lady in Galveston, I've told you the story before, but she walked up to me. She goes, how dare you say all the believers are going to go up in the rapture? I said, well, he's coming back for a certain species, and that's what he's coming back for, his body. And she still wasn't satisfied. And the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. He loves to honor Jesus. He said, ask her whose works would she rather trust in, her works or Jesus' works? See, all these doctrines that say, you remember, pray that you might be counted worthy to, to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. He's talking to Jewish boys there because in the New, in the new Covenant, New Creation Realities, you're Him, you're, you're worthy. said it this morning, remember the ten virgins. Well, I thought if you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up. He's not talking to the church there. Would Jesus need oil in His lamp? No. See, once you get into this dispensation, you're Him. 50% of the virgins got oil in their lamp. It's just like at the second coming. 50% of the people have gotten saved. Just like when Jesus was on the cross. One thief got saved, the other thief did not. That's the exact uh, percentage at the second coming. But the qualifications for the rapture to be in Christ. Now, you don't want to be living like the world. You don't want your garment spotted. Well, how, how embarrassing would that be if you're, do, if you're fighting with somebody the night before the rapture? But you know what? Even if you're screaming at somebody, you're still going to go up. You screaming at them is not going to change your nature. It's just going to make you look foolish. 
Because you should be sweet and kind, especially if you're about to see Jesus. You wouldn't want to be raptured and go, well, there's a pen out back we're putting you in for a while. And you've got to hang out, hang out with this group of people. Rats! I hate, you wouldn't want that to go like, okay, there's a remedial school that's not really for the cool people, but you're going to be hanging out there for, let's say, a couple hundred, maybe three or four hundred years. What? No, no, it's not going to be like that. He took you out of the picture. Isn't it wonderful? You'll never suffer humiliation. He was humiliated for you. Amazing, amazing. So let's talk about uh, the only little, this is the little bitty sliver of hidden reference in the Gospels, because this will bless us, it will give us a little bit of insight into how cool the rapture is and the timing of the rapture. In John 14, you know, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, we're not so would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Now that right there was a Jewish wedding proposal. That's how a guy would ask a girl... Get engaged. Will you marry me? So I know the disciples are like, yep, I knew it. He's been out in the sun too long. He's, he's he had a meltdown. He just proposed to us because dudes don't propose to dudes. <laughs> but he just said, will you marry me? So what would happen in, a, in the Hebrew Jewish culture? A man would ask a woman to marry him. They would be betrothed. The man, the, the, the man would go back to his father's house and his father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite. But the father would tell the son when the room is ready. The son wouldn't know. Okay, so <laughs> I've interviewed all these ladies, lady after lady after lady after lady in Israel. I said, now tell me, when, when this all happens, would you kind of know when the, the room was ready? She goes, well, of course we would. I go, how would you know? She said, word would come to us that the room's almost done. Because she said, we wouldn't want to spend hundreds of dollars on perfume, and it's another six months. We want to do it the night that he's going to come. She said, we'd almost know to the day. I said, to the day? She said, absolutely. Word would come to us. Words come to us in Omaha that we've had all the signs of the coming of the Lord, and we're about to see him face to face. Well, see, as the bride there, they get excited because they're about to see the bridegroom. Well, you know what? The, the father would say, hey, your room is ready. Go get your bride. And with a shout, he would go out, and she would be listening for that. And when she had made herself ready, and all of a sudden she would go out to meet him. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. So, man, what, a, what an escape we're about to have. Glory to God. If you like excitement, if you like fast, if you like cool, you're going to see fast, you're going to see cool, because y'all are wrapped up into one. Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all those dreams of everything that you see that, that people try to get that fulfillment from in the natural. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Wow. All right, let's talk about timing. We'll just get into all of it. We'll go all night. Is that okay? Let's just go for it. Everybody, everybody done? Everybody toast? You got to go a little bit longer? We'll get into Daniel's 70th week for a minute. Are we okay? How many, how many still glad you came? Okay. How many glad you're here and not in surgery? Come on. All right. It's good to be in church. All right, let's talk about the timing. The timing's kind of cool because the Lord's so, so amazing how He did certain things for us. So I just think that I wasn't taught these growing up as a kid in the Word of Faith circles. I wish I'd have been taught this, but uh, it's amazing how tradition goes on more than the Word. But thank God we can hold on to the Word. But we know that there were festivals in the Old Testament. They were not Jewish festivals. They were festivals of the Lord. And they were dress rehearsals. They were dress rehearsals for the real. So God's so cool, He gave them pictures of what would happen when Jesus would come. So the first dress rehearsal was Passover. So what happened on Passover? Jesus is the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. Went to the cross on what festival? Passover. All right, what was the next dress rehearsal? Unleavened bread. Jesus was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Remember, they took three pieces of bread. The middle piece, they would fold it, they would pierce it, and they would break it. 
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Born in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Home of the bread. Guess where the Palestinians moved their headquarters? From Ramallah to Bethlehem, the birthplace of God. So he goes to the cross on Passover, flawless. Buried on unleavened bread. Now this is pretty cool because most people on the cross would be there longer to be a spectacle so people wouldn't break the law. But Jesus had a feast to keep. Plus he had all the sin, sickness of everyone ever in history laid on him. So he's going to go pretty quick. So he's on the cross on Passover. Next day unleavened bread. He's buried. What's the next festival? First fruits. What happened on first fruits? He's raised from the dead. First born from the dead. Fifty days later, what's the next festival that happened? Pentecost. Okay, Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. What's the next feast to be fulfilled? That's Feast of Trumpets. Wow. So I, I believe on Feast of Trumpets, that's why it's called a Feast of Gatherings. It's the beginning of seven days of awe, marrying the seven years of tribulation. It's the beginning of a coronation of a king. You have a private ceremony and a public ceremony. We get to go to the private ceremony. Well, he'll be presented to us as the king of kings. And all of a sudden at the second coming, it's called the revelation. It's a very public unveiling of God, king of kings and lord of lords. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he's lord the glory of God the Father. So Feast of Trumpets, we talked about it this morning. I forgot to talk about it second service. So let's just talk about President Trump. Think about this. This is crazy stuff. Okay, midway through Trump's presidency, remember there was a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon. When Trump was born, there was a blood moon. 700 days later, Israel's made a nation. When Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu was 70, no, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. John Hagee meets with President Trump, says, you need to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Does it the next day, says it. Doesn't, most All presidents have been afraid of Saudi Arabia. He's like, we're supposed to move it? Let's do it. I guess God needed a bull in China closet. Remember I said that. <laughs> so he moves the embassy after how many years? 70 years. Okay? When you say President Trump and you say Vice President Fence... Pence, you're saying trumpets, you're saying the coming of the Lord. So their names mean the coming of the Lord. Crazy. So this rapture's coming, and then you have you happen to have even peoples in leadership of a nation that's a, a, a literally a, a forerunner to the millennial reign of Christ. I believe America's a forerunner. The the blessing of God overflowing in America is a picture of the millennial reign of Christ. And the president of America and the vice president of America, their names mean the coming of the Lord. So, I, now I could be wrong. I've even looked at Enoch. Enoch was <laughs> born on Pentecost, raptured on Pentecost. The law was given on Pentecost. Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost. So it could be so segmented that the church started on Pentecost, it'll end on Pentecost. Either way, in May I'm happy, in September I'm happy. <laughs> so I'm going to be happy either way. Come on. I got enough brains to go. If it's not September, I'll be looking for it in May. I don't care. I just know it's soon. I'm telling you, it's so soon that it's kind of shocking. It's alarmingly soon to know that we're about to vacate and there's not more excitement in the church. I mean, it's just like there, there should be just a wild excitement. The king's coming. The king's coming. I thought right before the coming of the Lord, people would be running to each other. Wow, we're getting ready to be raptured. Woo, come on. And I believe just before that time comes that you'll have knowledge of it. Just because the Bible says you'll have knowledge of it. You are not in darkness is that David overtake you as a thief. Let's just read that, and I want to get to Daniel. Go back to 1 Thessalonians. You got your Bibles there? It's good to have your Bibles. Remember, it's good to write in your Bibles. Remember, dirty Bible, clean Christian. <laughs> clean Bible, dirty Christian. Look at your neighbor. Come on. Ooh, uh -oh. <laughs> so look at chapter 5 look, of, of Thessalonians. Look there at verse 1. 
But of the times and the seasons, brethren, I, I don't have any need that I write to you. Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Watch this. When they, the world, shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, the world, not us, them, as travail upon a woman with child. They, the world, shall not escape. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor in darkness. And then he goes on several times to say God's not appointed us to wrath. So you have so much authority, Jesus has to take you off the earth. I remember, man, I can't believe I'm going to give you this, but I remember I was preaching in Pittsburgh years ago. I had prayed for a family there, had a baby that had Down syndrome. This was, gosh, almost 30 years ago. The baby was mongoloid. The baby got healed of Down syndrome. The parents were so freaked out. They were like, this is amazing. Because went back to the doctor, the chromosomes don't get better. They changed. The doctor freaked out. So they have a 13-year-old, but he, he didn't have Down syndrome. But they said maybe 10, 15 years later, I said, well, would you pray over our 13-year-old? She said, sure, every 13-year-old needs some good prayer. <laughs> Amen. So I was there, and I was preaching uh, on heaven that night. I never preached on heaven. I never preached on heaven before or since. And for some reason, I felt like I was supposed to preach on heaven. But the youth were not in there. They were out in their class because I'm going to lay hands on that 13-year-old when they finish their class and come back in. So we finished preaching, you know, and uh, they went and got the youth, and there comes that brother I know, the family, you know, they want a parking garage, and real sweet family. Been, I've been to that church maybe 25 times, see them every time. Well, I'm so excited about your baby that got healed of um, mental retardation. So let's pray with the 13-year-old. <laughs> Laid hands on the 13-year-old, and what did I pray? I prayed exactly what my mother made me confess while I was growing up every day. He's a disciple taught of you, Lord. Greatest is peace and undisturbed composure. He delights himself in you, and you cause him to ride on the high places of the earth. In his pathway, there is light and there is no darkness at all. And I prayed some other things. He fell out of the power and he just laid there for a while. Well, you know, you finish the service. You know how you kind of talk to folks or whatever? He's out. <laughs> I have a golden retriever and this guy was doing just like my golden retriever. That little boy was laying on the ground moving just like a golden retriever dreams. You know what I'm saying? So the kid's out under the power. <laughs> and the parents are like, what do we do? I said, just let him enjoy it. It's okay. So he's out of the power for a long time. We finish up. We go back to the tape table and he's still laying there out cold under the power of God. And I, they said, what do we do? I said, well, pick him up, take him home, I guess. I, I guess if he doesn't wake up, just let him enjoy it. I don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Just, I, I would say, let me enjoy this. So they take him home in the middle of the night. He wakes up, starts screaming. He goes, hey, I just went to heaven. And they said, shut up, go back to sleep. It's 3 in the morning. He goes, no, no, I saw Grandpa. I said, Grandpa took his biscuits and gravy and scraped his gravy. Isn't that cool to know there's biscuits and gravy in heaven? He's eating his, so they, they, they go, wow, he did see Grandpa. That's how he scraped his business and There's a certain way he did it. He goes, that was cool, but the coolest thing was Jesus. Jesus came walking in with this golden stick. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of my kingdom. He walks in with that golden stick and tells that 13-year-old boy, I don't have any authority in the earth. I gave it all to my church. That next night, that 13-year-old got out in front of the whole church he didn't go, I tell you, he's the same yesterday, day and forever. No. He said, he said, Jesus stood there and told me, I have all of his authority. Whew. So you have to be evacuated because you've got too much authority. And see, we don't, sometimes we don't realize that, but here Paul talking in 2 Thessalonians, he said, don't worry, the Antichrist can't be revealed until there's a departure. The word departure, there's the word apostasia. It's not a apostasy, it's the apostasia. The root word is the same word that Enoch departed before the flood. So there has to be this departure of the church 
before the Antichrist can even be revealed. I hear people all day long on TV, oh, we're in the tribulation. We, the Antichrist is coming. He can't, even, he can't even come on the scene till you leave. You carry so much weight and you carry so much power, there's no way that seal can even be opened until you're gone. Think about that. When Jesus walked into town, immediately the devil said, have you come to torment us before the time? Immediate submission. That's how Lucifer thinks about you. Immediate submission. When you just perk, pop your head up like that, he goes, there's, a, there's a, a child of God, knows the name of Jesus. Immediate submission. So you have to be depart so we can go back to Old Testament time. With that, let's go back to Daniel and look at that Old Testament time. We'll sing this portion. It'll be very powerful. That's just a joke. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Trust me. We won't do any singing. All right, let's, we'll go through this really quick. This is so cool. It's so neat how God's so cool to give us verses that show us things so plainly and clearly. Now, the first part of this is a little complex, but just, just hang with me for a couple minutes because it's a lot of information in about three verses. But just get the gist of it for a minute, and then we'll get rocking right into Daniel. So Daniel chapter 9, I'm sorry I didn't tell you the chapter. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius which was the son of whatever that was, which was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And he goes, Well, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So he's like, Okay, we're in captivity for 70 years. Let's find out why. That's kind of smart. So he finds out they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. You'll be so blessed at the end of the sixth year, it'll carry you through that seventh. So don't plant on the seventh. Guess how long they fudged and planted on that seventh year? They fudged 490 years. So they owed the land back exactly 70 years. Look how flawless God is in the Old Covenant. Okay, you missed it for 490? I'm going to, put you, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go into captivity because you missed it all those years. So they owed the land back that. Okay, with that in mind, remember that number 490. Remember Peter said, Lord, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7, 490 times. Okay, so watch Gabriel do something in verse 23. He's going to get super detailed. It's so cool. Look at verse 23. You got your Bibles there? Buzz over to verse 23 and watch Gabriel give Daniel some stuff that's amazing. Verse 23, this is Gabriel talking to Daniel here in verse 23. At the beginning of our supplication, the commandment came forth, I'm come to show you, you're greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, the Jews, and upon the holy city, Jerusalem. Okay? He goes, you missed it for 490 years, God's given you guys another 490. Seventy weeks is just another way of saying 70 times 7, or 490 years. So Gabriel goes, you missed it for 490? No problem. God's given you another 490. Now watch what he says. Man, it starts getting crazy detailed here. He says it's to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus comes is going to be a certain amount of years, and I'm going to add them up for you. So he said here there's going to be a commandment that goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem. King Artaxerxes was talking to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was all depressed. He said, what's the deal? He goes, oh, Jerusalem's overthrown. He goes, don't worry. I'm going to make a proclamation. So King Artaxerxes goes, we shall rebuild Jerusalem. Gabriel said, when the commandment goes forth, 
to rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus comes. It's going to be 483 years. Okay? So you remember, they asked Jesus, are you the Messiah? He goes, go tell them what you see and what you hear. He never would really come out and say it. Even John, John's about to get his head cut off. He goes, hey, mm, go ask him, is he the one? Because this ain't looking good for me. I'm about to lose my head. So he goes, go tell them what you see and what you hear. But there came a time when the time came, he came riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. They laid those palm branches down. They were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh man, don't let them say that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from when that commandment came forth. Jesus came exactly to the year, 483 years from that. Well, God promised them 490. Jesus comes after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the tribulation. Takes the church off the earth, pays them back those seven years that He owes them. It's not for the church. <laughs> it's not for us. It's for the Jews and for Jerusalem. So see how we kind of want to make everything about us, which we're a big deal. The church is a huge deal, but we're actually going to hand off to the Jews, and God's doing all this stuff so he can present himself to his brethren just like Joseph. So think of a seven-year period, man. You got, it gets, it's the most detailed seven years ever in the Bible. Daniel fills it up, and the book of Revelation fills it up. Why, why would God go to so much trouble? Because he loves them so much he wants to be able to go, I put all that in my book so you'd have a heads up. The book of Revelation is basically a left-behind book for the Jews because we're not here for most of it. Let me say that again. The book of Revelation is a left-behind book. They're, they're going to get that book and go, holy cow, the first seal, the second seal. They'll, they'll get it one, they're so smart, they'll go one by one. Buckle up. This next one's not good. <laughs> this one's got war and got famine. Buckle up. I have a friend of mine that got a Jewish man saved in England. And uh, uh, it was so cool. This guy owned half of downtown England. He had an Aston Martin. And my buddy put his phone there on the exhaust pipes and had him rev that V8 up. Roar, roar, so I could hear that V8. It just blessed me. My buddy got him saved. Jewish man got him born again. Asked Jesus into his heart. Got him Brother Hagen's book on how to be led by your spirit. Four days. My friend asked that guy, so, so what do you think? He goes, well, I have a witness and an unction to do this. He goes, you have a what? He goes, well, I have a witness and I have an unction. After being saved for four days, he knew how to be led by his spirit. So we're going to depart, and you talk about the spirit of supplication coming on. They're going to go to the book of Revelation. No, 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 no. Chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 5, chapter 6. They're, they're going to know right where they are. And, and uh, it's sad that they're going to think that the Antichrist is the Messiah. But as far as events happening and unfold, they're going to, they're going to watch them go right in order. And God put all that book in there. You see, some people go, well, I don't understand the book of Revelation. Well, most of it's not for us. It's for them. Which we're blessed, but God's rearranging some things in the earth so that He can protect Israel. Wow. And that's what we'll get into tomorrow night, the Ezekiel 38 war. We'll talk about that some. We'll get into a little bit more of the reward seat of Christ and then talk about how God's going to intervene and play rat-a-tat-tat with His baseball bat. So what a day. What a day that the church finishes off the church age. I believe in Jesus' name that at the rapture, the, the, the Jewish people that all said when their hearts are turned, they'll, they'll do like Elijah, Elisha. They'll walk over and go, where is the Lord God of the last day church? And they'll part the waters. Instantly start operating the working of miracles. So let's give them something to look at. Believers filled with God. Walking like Jesus walked. Mercy and kindness, but in power and in demonstration. So this, this one Jewish friend of mine that worked for Ariel Sharon, I told you how I worked on him and worked on him and worked on him. He loves the Lord, but he's not 
asked Jesus into his heart. And uh, he loves miracles. I mean, he'll, he'll go, tell me about that miracle. I had a lady one time didn't have any fingers. I was in Topeka, Kansas. Had no fingers. And uh, she had one finger like this, but all the others were cut off like this. And while I was preaching in the church, uh, the youth group was talking while I was preaching. Couldn't get them to stop talking. And, you know, me being a traveling guy, I was going to be ornery. So I walked right back there where they were and got right in their face. And they still talked right while I got in their face. I was a whole lot bolder back then. But I got right in their face like, who do you think you are? Not because of me, because of reverence for the word. They talked while I stood right there, so that didn't work. <laughs> so I said, okay, everybody under 21, stand up. And everybody under 21, I started preaching to them that they have to pay more attention than we do because the youth will yield before the adults will. And they still talked while I was preaching to them standing up. I thought, well, that didn't work. Then I had a word of knowledge. The Lord said someone had damage in their knuckles. I thought arthritis. That's no big deal. This lady comes walking down. She has one finger, and these fingers are severed off. And I said, Lord, that's not what I'm thinking about. <laughs> it's a church of the Nazarene, Topeka, Kansas. I said, Lord, thank you for new fingers for this lady. Boom, her fingers popped out. And every single one of those kids got supernaturally quiet. <laughs> they knew that lady. And here that lady's got brand new fingers right there. So talking to my Jewish buddy, he goes, tell me that story again about the lady with no fingers. So they love the miracle power of God. So let's show them something. Let's, let, let's show them a walk. Let's show them something that we, we can walk just like Jesus walked. He said, John, if you say that he's in you, you'll walk just like he walked. If you say that he's in you, you'll walk just like he walked. If you say that he's in you, it will alter your walk. So how blessed. We're getting ready to depart. And you got the, the Bible talks about the tribulation period. It even gives you some time here where the, the Antichrist will sign an agreement with Israel. That's what we're talking about today. That's when the tribulation technically starts. It doesn't start at the rapture because there may be a gap of a, a year or two in between there, uh, in, in between the signing of a covenant. We might be raptured and take six months before they sign an agreement. Pretty wild how our country, man, I'll give you just a couple minutes of something, we'll close right now, but our country played such a bizarre role. Think of the Gulf War, Colin Powell standing there. The greatest part of the battle will be at the Tigris and the Euphrates Valley, right where the Garden of Eden was. <laughs> and you got the worst part of the tribulation is 42 months. 42 is a number of judgment. You had father and son, Bush number one, Bush number two, father and son surrounding judgment. George Bush and George Bush Sr., you know what their names mean? Philistine slayer. Both of them went into Iraq, the origin of sin. Every false, doc every false religion, every false doctrine, every false demon came from Baghdad. So our country went over there. Amazing, they didn't send Switzerland in there. They didn't send uh, uh, Germany in there. America goes into Iraq, the cradle of, of humanity. So our country's done some leadership stuff. And that's why the devil hates our country. That's just too bad. So sad, man. We're going we're gonna to blow it out here at the very end. I believe we'll have a season of, I don't think it'll be very long. I'm just, just shooting with you for just a second. I think we'll have a couple months of the glory of God so strong that people are coming in. They don't even know, what is that presence? His name is Jesus. And you'll be able to, all the things in your heart, there'll be a fulfillment of like, wow, we made so much preparation for this little season. Because the Bible, only promise we have about that is James 5, promises double of what the early church had. That's the only scriptural promise you have for that kind of meeting. But, it, but we got a promise. So I'm holding on to every single one of them. Amen. Now I got everybody's brain going on that one. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't we blessed? Amen. Let's thank Him for a minute, and then we'll have a little bit of rapture practice. We'll jump around, hop around. I don't know whatever you need to do. <laughs>
remember, all those doctrines that say that you don't qualify, they all downtrodden how powerful Jesus' blood is. He purchased you and you qualify. He purchased you, you qualify. Has nothing to do with your works, has nothing to do with how good you are, nothing to do with how smart you are, has nothing to do with being in faith for the rapture. It's not about you, it's about him coming back for a certain species. You're in the body of Christ and you're going to be evacuated. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for these days uh, just before we depart the earth. May we have such a mentality to be doing your will. Help us all, Father, finish our course. Every single one of us, I ask you that we finish our course with joy, looking unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord. We, we look to you for guidance, for truth. You are truth, and your truth sets us free. So I thank you for blessing every person that came, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.